You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode number 46 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Neurotic Mirage. Neurotic Mirage is a progressive metal-infused punk band from San Diego, California. Formed in 2015, they released their debut album in 2016 called Haywire Culture, and they are gearing up to release their second album, Psycho Carnival. They were also recently featured in a commercial for St. Archer Gold. For more information on the band, as well as to sign up for their mailing list, please check out neuroticmirage.com. You can also check them out on Facebook forward slash neurotic mirage or on Instagram at neurotic underscore mirage. Now here it is, their new single, She's an Alien Hybrid.
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hi, this is Greg Ketson. You're listening to That One Time On Tour. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Chris Swinney. I am your host for that one time on tour. This is my podcast where I sit down with someone in or around the music or entertainment industry, and we have a kick-ass conversation. This week is no different. I'm going to get to my guest here in a second. Thank you so much for checking out last week's episode with Ephraim Schultz from Death by Stereo, Manic Hispanic, and the Voodoo Glow Skulls. I had a great time talking to Ephraim. I hope you guys enjoyed that. The, The episode did really, really well, so thank you guys for checking out episode 45. But this is episode number 46. And I got to sit down with Mr. Greg Hetson, uh, legendary in the punk world. He is, you know, he played with Circle Jerks. He played with Bad Religion, Red Cross. He is doing punk rock karaoke right now. He's done all kinds of crazy stuff. He's actually, he just got off tour with uh, one of the Ramones. So we have a really cool conversation. I do want to uh, put a little warning on this. Uh, I edited it, so it sounds pretty good, but I was a little under the weather. I had the flu really bad. But, you know, when you when you get these interviews with these guys that are your heroes, you don't want to reschedule when they say yes. So uh, it's a good conversation. We do really well. There was some stuff cut out because there were some times when I was coughing and there were some times when I uh, almost had to run and throw up. So it was kind of crazy, but I got it out of the way. It is done. And you guys are going to hear it here in a second to take care of the business right away. Get it out of the way. I need to tell you guys about Rockabilia. Rockabilia is so cool. And you guys hear me talk about them on every episode, but I love them. Frankie and everybody over Rockabilia, they really help us out here at the show. And uh, they have everything you've ever wanted from your favorite band. They have over 500,000 unique items in their store. And basically anything that you want, you name a band, they're going to have it. They're getting ready to roll out a new website very, very soon. And on that website, there's going to be in the future an exclusive that one time on tour t-shirt that you can only get at rockabilia.com. So until that happens, go over to rockabilia.com, find the stuff that you want, and at checkout, put in the promo code PCTOTOT and save 15% and tell them that Chris sent you. If you guys are in Indiana or the surrounding areas, you need to go to Muncie Music Center. It's at 600 South Mulberry Street here in Muncie, Indiana. Or you can check them out on MuncieMusic.com. They're a wonderful store, and uh, they support the show, and you guys need to support them. So, uh, let's see. What's 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 in the news for uh, TOTOT land? 
Well, we have a new patron. And uh, our new patron, his name is Scott Anderson, and he's from Australia. He's our first patron from Australia. So give it up for Scott from Australia. I'm going to clap, turn out to clip my mic. Yay, give it up for Scott. So uh, thanks a lot, Scott, for becoming a patron. If you want to sign up and become a patron for the show and help us out a little bit, uh, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, or you can just go to TOTOTpodcast.com and get everything you need there. There's a place you can make a one-time donation. You can sign up, do the monthly pledge on Patreon, or it's all the links to listen to on, on Stitcher and Spotify and iTunes and everything else. If you need it and it has to do with this podcast, it is at TOTOTpodcast.com. So now we're going to head over to a new segment called Top 5. Uh, I put a thing up on Instagram a while back, and I asked you guys for some Top 5 lists. You were supposed to give me your Top 5 list. And then on the spot, I am going to tell you my Top 5 list with your category. So today, we have another an, another guy from down under, <laughs> Glenn Arnett, or Glenn Shapes Arnett from Melbourne, Australia. He sent in songs you never get sick of, and we're going to start with his number five and go to his number one. His number five is Nirvana, Sifting. Great, great song. Nice choice. Number four, Veruca Salt, Shimmer Like a Girl. I like Veruca Salt a lot. I haven't listened to him in a long time, so I'm not sure if I remember that exact song, but I... I remember Seether, their big hit. I, I really like that band. Uh, and number three, Jello Biafra and DOA, Full Metal Jack Off. I do know that song, and that is a wonderful song. That's an awesome choice, Glenn. Uh, number two, one of my personal favorites, The Misfits, We Are 138. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful song. I love that song. I actually, <laughs> a couple of my passwords in the past have had things to do with the number 138. So uh, if you want to hack me, you're going to have to find out which one it is. But there's a there's a lot of misfit stuff in my passwords back in the day. Uh, and his number one song that he never gets sick of is Adolescence, L.A. Girl. I got to say, that's a wonderful song as well. And I want to say rest in peace to Steve Soto. I know you guys have probably seen that he passed away a while back. And he was a great member of the punk rock community, and he will be missed. The Adolescents are a killer band, and I've loved them for a really long time. So nice number one choice, Glenn. So now off the top of my head, and, and my my answers are going to be weird because I've been listening to a lot of stuff this week that uh, I haven't listened to in a long time. But I'm going to start with number five. I'm going to say Hot Water Music, Trusty Chords. I love the chorus in that song. It's just, I hate this place, but I love these chords. I just, that it's so, you know, relatable when you live in the middle of nowhere. Like I live in Indiana. I grew up here coming back as an adult after, you know, touring and stuff. It's, it's a little bit different, but you know, growing up in a place like that, you know, you latch on to something you can believe in and you can, you know, make your own and that's the music. So yeah, I hot water music, trusty chords, number five, because this is such a Australia heavy episode, I'm going to come in at number four with the band Paper Arms, their song Bricks and Mortar. If you guys have not checked out Paper Arms, you need to. They're amazing. I've been uh, trying to get them on the podcast. They, uh, they're they from Australia. They broke up a while back, but I know they're, they're getting back together or they already got back together to open for Strike Anywhere when they were going over to Australia. So uh, go on over to the Google machine and check out Paper Arms. And my favorite song is Bricks and Mortar. 
Number three, I'm going to say one of my favorite bands, and uh, they're some of the nicest guys in the world. I'm in talks to get a couple of them to come on the show as well. I'm going to say Alexis on Fire, Boiled Frogs. I mean, if you guys out there aren't familiar with Alexis on Fire, you might be familiar with City and Color. That's the, one of their singers, Dallas Green's solo deal. But uh, Alexis on Fire is amazing. All my Canadian listeners, they, they know the deal. But uh, people other places, I, I know my Australian and my Canadians probably know what's going on with that. But if you haven't checked out Alexis on Fire, make sure that you go check it out. They are amazing. They write really cool songs. And the thing that I always like, they have three singers. Dallas does like the melody. Wade does like the shouty kind of punk rock stuff. And then George does like the Henry Rollins, like black flag, like gravelly crazy shit. So if you, if you, if that sounds cool to you, go check out Alexis on fire. They also have like, you know, the best drummer Jordan is so good. And their bass player, Chris Steele, he's amazing. That band is just stellar. So go check out Alexis on fire. They broke up a while back, got back together. They just put out a new song called familiar drugs. You can, you know, stream it on Spotify. So go check that out as well. Uh, number two, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. This guy is a future guest on the podcast, and uh, it's a little different. Slade Cleaves with his song Drinking Days. Now, Slade is kind of like a Austin, Texas singer-songwriter, kind of folky, sort of country, but not really country. Uh, if you haven't checked out Slade Cleaves, you need to check him out. It's S-L-A-I-D-C-L-E-A-V-E-S. And the song that I chose was Drinking Days. It's really, really cool. Um, we used to listen to Slade on tour when I was with the Ataris. Chris like Chris Rowe likes Slade a lot. And uh, I don't know, it just stuck with me. And I, you know, good songwriting is good songwriting. I'm not always a punker. I'm not always a metal guy. But uh, check out Slade. He's going to be on the show uh, in a few weeks. And he's a really cool guy. And we had a great conversation. But uh, number one for today, and this changes all the time, but my number one song for today, I've really been getting back into him. Uh, Silver Chair, another band from Australia. This is a heavy Australia episode. This is crazy. Uh, with their song Emotion Sickness, I just, man, there's like a full orchestra and the weird suspended chords and, and Daniel John's vocals and melodies. It's, it's an insane song. And if you guys have not heard it, check out Emotion Sickness by Silver Chair. You will love it. It is amazing. So that's my that's my my list there. So thanks to Glenn Shapes Arnett from Melbourne, Australia, for sending in that list. I got to say, I remember a friend of mine saying, like, you know, dude, the people that live in Melbourne, they don't call it Melbourne, they call it Melbourne, Melbourne. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's just the accent, and I, I think I am. So you know, Glenn, I know you're listening. I know there's a couple other people listening. Write in, you know, call the hotline, whatever, and tell me, do you guys say Melbourne or is it, there is an R there. It's Melbourne, but it's, it's Melbourne because you guys have an Australian accent. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm being stupid. So thank you so much, Glenn, for sending in that top five list. If you guys want to send in a top five list and be featured on the show, you can, uh, send it over on any of the social medias, which uh, it's just at T O T O T podcast, or you can call the hotline. It is 765-372-8818, or you can shoot me an email, tototpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of getting a hold of me, I am looking for band sponsors for upcoming episodes. Uh, and we have a lot of really cool guests coming up that I think you guys are going to really like. So if you guys have a band or a company and you want to sponsor an episode, super cheap promo, it just helps the show keep going. Hit me up. Like I said, tototpodcast at gmail.com call the hotline or whatever. So uh, you guys have probably been sick of hearing me talk. So I am going to jump into my conversation with Mr. Greg Hedson. I do want to please 
I implore you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us grow, and we've been doing really, really well. We've got up over a hundred reviews, and uh, it's just it's it's going crazy. And I want to thank you guys so much for going on this journey with me. But that is enough for me. I am now going to get out of here. So enjoy my conversation with uh, he's a legend to me, and we I ta- I tell him. In the, in the conversation about how the Ataris we were playing on Warp Tour on the main stage and Bad Religion was coming up. Uh, they just got done playing and we were coming up after them, which is, still blows my mind to play after someone like, you know, Bad Religion. But uh, I didn't have a pick and I saw Greg was on my side of the stage. He was walking off stage and said, Hey, Greg, can I borrow a pick? And he goes, Yeah, man, and handed me a pick. And it had a picture of him on it. And on the back, it said, Greg Hetson gave me this pick. <laughs> I still have it. It's in my scrapbook. I tell him about it and he he gets a kick out of it. So uh, I don't know. This was a really fun one for me, even though I was a little under the weather. So I hope you guys enjoy it. This is my conversation with Mr. Greg Hetson from Circle Jerks, Red Cross and Bad Religion. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Greg Hetson. How are you doing today, Greg? Living the dream, and you? <laughs> uh, yeah, living the dream as well. I've been uh, I've been a little under the weather this morning when I woke up. I was considering rescheduling, but I think I'm good now, man. I'm I've had the flu for a couple of days, but I'm I'm well right now. Yeah, there's some nasty stuff going around. I've had it earlier. Yeah, I've got I've got two young children, and we take them to a play group on Tuesday, and it seems like every time we go to the play group, I come home with something, you know. Yes, I remember that very well. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... So uh, you're out in California right now. How's the how's the weather out there in California? Uh, well, it's been raining a lot this uh, winter. It's clear now. It's a little. It might rain a little bit, but it's okay. You know, it's in the mid 60s, maybe. We were we were talking a little bit before I started recording, and uh, you said your daughter's out in Poughkeepsie, New York. I was telling you how it's snowing here. Do you, do you visit out there very often? I did. She just moved back there. She was living out here in LA for about a year. She just moved back to the East Coast last month. So I haven't been to where she's currently living, but I used to go see her a lot when she was in Connecticut. So, uh, yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> yeah, I know they get a lot of snow out there like we do. I <clears throat> I was out in California for a while back in the day, and I kind of I kind of miss being out there. But Indiana is my home, so I'm I'm back to the the frozen tundra of the Midwest. <laughs> All right, Hoosiers, woo! Hoosiers, yeah, yeah. I know you're a sports <laughs> fan. I know, uh, I know you're into hockey quite a bit. I'm, I'm sad to say, I'm not a huge hockey fan. I did a lot of touring with some Canadian bands, and I was exposed to a lot of it. But uh, you like the Kings a lot, don't you? That's my thing. Yeah, I'm wearing a King sweatshirt as we speak. <laughs> That's awesome. If, you, if we were on, if we were on television right now, you would see my King sweatshirt. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm sure we'll get into some hockey talk later on. Um, what I like to do here at the beginning of the podcast is I like to find out kind of the story of my guests. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're a legend in punk rock. I've been a fan of yours and pr- pretty much everything you've done for the past 30, 40 years. I don't know. So I kind of wanted to know what got you into music and then kind of what got you into punk rock after that. Well, music in general, my dad was really into music. He always went record shopping. He was mostly into classical music, folk music, and, uh, you know, show tunes, opera. He had a pretty diverse thing. He wasn't into rock much. I don't remember him having many rock records, but he was really into, definitely into, like, the protest music, folky protest music of the 60s, you know. So I got a lot of 
anti-war stuff in my household and, you know, listening to records that were, you know, based against, you know, what was going on <clears throat> in politics at the time. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my allergies are killing me myself. <laughs> Where's my cough? <clears throat> Where's my cough button? Damn it. Are we on the radio? <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, I kind of, you know, just tag along and, you know, would listen to top 40 radio and buy singles. And, uh, then we went record shopping and then, you know, kind of progressed into buying some albums. The first albums I bought were like Credence records and the guess who and, uh, stuff like that. Did you, did you definitely like after that want to start playing guitar? Was there like a, a moment in your life that led you to playing the guitar? Well, at one point, maybe I was around 10 or 11, my parents said, well, to be a well-rounded citizen of the world, you should learn an instrument. What do you want to play? And I'm like, I don't know. So I'm listening to the radio one day, and, and then like the song Up Around the Band came on, and, and you know, the opening riff to that Credence song was a really cool guitar intro. And I go, what's that? And like, he goes, well, that's guitar. My dad said, that's, the guitar. that's guitar. He goes, oh, yeah, I want to play that. He goes, well, I got a, my dad had an acoustic guitar, and he never really learned how to play it. So he, you know, gave it to me, and then I started taking some lessons. And, uh, you know, was doing it for a while. And then they bought me an electric guitar and a little amp. And uh, then I really didn't have the discipline to, to do it and I wanted to play Little League so I just kind of put the guitar under the bed until I was 16. So you uh, you gave up music for, for baseball. <laughs> were you were you pretty good at baseball? Yeah. No, I was terrible. I think I played two years. I think I got two hits in two years, like okay. literally. I I walked a lot and stole a lot of bases. Yeah, no, I'm not a good... <laughs> love sports, not a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, then around, you know, then around 16... You know, a bunch of my friends were were learning guitar and <clears throat> and everything. So I I pulled it out again and took a few more lessons. And right about that time, I got introduced to punk, and I had taken some lessons and I was taking songs to the guitar teacher to learn. You know, kind of like you know Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, Queen, you know stuff like that. And uh, I bought him like. I heard some punk stuff. I go, I bought him, but forgot what song it was. Whatever, some punk song, and he was like, uh, "Punk rock, I hate punk rock, but at least it's punk." Yeah. And I knew that was not the right teacher for me, and I just quit and taught myself and didn't take lessons again until my twenties. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess if you, I mean, you know, I'm pretty well versed in punk. I guess all you really need for punk is just power chords, and I'm sure by that point you kind of knew power chords, correct? Yeah, and I always had a pretty good ear to, to figure stuff out, so I kind of figured out, you know, uh, I think the first song I taught myself how to play all the way through was uh, Susie's a Headbanger by the Ramones. And awesome. That, you know, that entire Mother Down by Queen, and those were like the two <laughs> songs I learned all the way through for the, you know. So were the Ramones one of the first, like, punk bands that really spoke to you? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, because I was always looking for, uh, you know, since I played, quote unquote, play guitar, I wanted to play guitar. M me and my group of friends were looking for the most heavy guitar sound 
we could find. And <clears throat> when we heard the Ramones, my friend had an older brother who had, you know, the Ramones records, some Ramones records. We're like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is, you know, something different. And it's really, you know, all guitar-oriented, really heavy. And then, you know, kind of got exposed to some of the English stuff on television by seeing like a, you know, promo clip of the Sex Pistols and then seeing The Clash. So I started getting into the English stuff and then, you know, realized there was an L.A. punk scene and kind of got turned on to like the early punk bands like X, Germs, Black Flag, that kind of stuff. stuff. So when was the first time you actually started a band? Was it pretty shortly after that? I was a senior in high school and I was taking photo. I was in Photoshop and uh, there was this other kid in my class and he had a, I don't know if they still have them, peachy folders. You know, put all your papers in and he had covered up the, the front of it with a flyer for like uh, a show with from the bags. And I looked at the kid and I'm like, you like punk? And he kind of looked at me like I was going to give him shit. And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, well, so do I. And he goes, really? And I'm like, oh, cool. We started talking. He goes, oh, me and my brother are starting a band. He goes, oh, I play guitar. I'm looking for a band. And it happened to be uh, Jeff McDonald from Red Cross. Wow. So we, you know, so I met him. He, I think he was a freshman. And then, uh, yeah, we kind of started a band right then. And, uh, started working on stuff, working on songs, and uh, we found out that Black Flag kind of lived in a in the area where we lived in, but we didn't know where they lived or where they practiced or anything. But we knew they had a PO box. Yeah. In the next town over, we were in Hawthorne. They they had PO box one, SST Records, in Lawndale, California, and we would go after school and stalk them, hoping we would see them. <laughs> <clears throat> we didn't. However, we did go to uh, maybe we did find out where they where they rehearsed. And we went down there and talked to them and said, "Hey, we're the young band. We we need help. Can you help us out?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." So they kind of mentored us. Well, that's awesome. Us get gigs. Yeah. What, who was the singer? Who was the singer at that point? Was that Keith? Yeah, it was Keith. Yeah. Okay. That's where I met Keith. Yeah. So that that kind of I mean a little bit parlays into forming the circle jerks with Keith. Uh, as far as Red Cross goes, did you just get fed up with the band and wanted to try something new? What was the story when you actually started the circle jerks? Well, our original drummer Ron, who who in a weird incestual way became the second singer of Black Flag. Anyway, he quit Red Cross because he got. He didn't like the fact that uh, Steve went on stage with some eyeliner one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? That's not cool. It's not punk or whatever. I don't know. He quit the band. And then we were looking for a drummer, and I found the drummer through a, a friend and happened to be Lucky. And we tried him out for Red Cross. And, you know, they kept making excuses on not practicing and not practicing. And I later found out they were just intimidated because he was a real quote unquote musician and, <laughs> and they, and they weren't. And he was older than us by a couple of years. And, 
anyway, so I just kind of got, you know, discouraged that they weren't serious enough. Yeah. And quit the, quit the band right around the same time that Keith quit Black Flag and, you know, then, uh, we started the circle joke shortly after that, like at the end of 1979 or so. So the the name of the band Circle Jerks, I love the name of the band. I don't know if you know this or not. There's a you probably know this. There's a company that makes socks called Merge Four. I actually have a pair of Circle Jerk socks. Have you ever seen those? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yes, I, always, I, I have. Always, yeah, yeah. I always wondered where the name came from. I mean, it, it's a pretty punk rock name. I mean, you guys had to have been aware of like what it meant when you picked it out for the band, right? We had no clue. We were actually at Ray Pettibone, you know, the artist, the guy that did all the black oh, yeah. flag stuff and a lot of SST covers. We were at his house one day and we couldn't think of a name. Like we were playing, we banded formed, we had a set, we were playing parties, but we would change our name every week when we played because we didn't know what we were going to call ourselves. And then, uh, we were looking through the American slang dictionary from like the 1960s that he had at his house. And we saw the term circle jerk. And we thought that was like, what the hell? This is the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. What a great name for a band. <laughs> me and Keith stumbled, we, me and Keith stumbled upon it. And then uh, our bass player at the time, Roger, was like, we're not calling the band like that. How can I tell my parents I'm in a band on this circle jerk? <laughs> I was wondering if you get, did you guys get any like blowback from people that like thought it was a little bit too, I mean, for, for nowadays it's pretty tame with some of the names that are out there, but that had to have kind of raised some eyebrows back in the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think a lot, it was still a lot of people did not know what it was. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, so we got, we got, it was, we didn't get any, any problems with it. We weren't like banned because of the name. I remember the butthole surfers not being able to use, their name and ads, like, you know, it would be, 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 be whole surfers, like, you know, <laughs> ads for the shows in the LA times at LA weekly. And yeah, you know, some of the smaller papers anyway. So what was the scene like when you started the circle jerks? I mean, even back in the red cross, I mean, was, was punk gaining a lot of steam out there in the LA scene? I mean, were you guys playing big shows? How was it? Uh, when I start, first started going to shows, you know, a big show was like maybe three, 400 people. And that was like around 1978. And you know, the, the scene was, was a little smaller, a little, little older and arty. But then towards the night, about 1979, a lot of the more suburban kids started getting into it, like the skateboarders and surfers. And it kind of exploded by, you know, 1980. It got pretty got pretty big but you know the, the, the first circle jerk shows were still small clubs you know a hundred a couple hundred people if that you know we luckily since you know we me and keith were both in bands before we had we could network with other bands to get some good opening slots were you still playing shows with like black flag even though keith had like was used to be in that band no we did do a couple shows maybe a year or two after that but no we don't I think we only did one or two shows with Black Flag at some big, some big hall gigs. Did you guys notice, uh, like, 
you guys were featured in the 1980 documentary, The Decline of Western Civilization. That was my first intro to you guys. I remember when I was young and I saw that. Did you guys notice like something different in the scene after that documentary came out? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> different that that brought the uh, like a you know more of a, a national attention to us. We weren't just a local, you know, West Coast of California band. It we started, you know, getting a lot of attention and and uh, around the uh, around the country. Did you had you already started touring when that doc came out? When was like the first time you guys kind of got out of your area in in Circle Jerks? 1981, we went to the East Coast and did like a, a two-week tour or maybe three-week tour. Was it successful or did, was it kind of like bare-bones style, you know? It was pretty bare-bones, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, we it was we had a couple of great shows and some <clears throat> shows where there's like 20 people, you know? You know, D.C. was good, New York was good, Boston was good. <clears throat> uh, but we played some other other places where, you know, People didn't really know who the hell we were. Was it kind of like the stuff that I hear when, like, I Henry Rollins, you know, in his books and whatnot, talking about touring? Was it like house shows or was it actual clubs? What was it all like? Uh, they were they were clubs. Okay. Uh, you know, we did a lot of house parties when we first started, but uh, when we went to the East Coast, we had somebody that out of New York that booked us like a couple weeks of shows. Were you guys touring like alone, or did you have like an opener or somebody else on the tour? No, it was just us. So when you, uh, later on, I'm not sure if I have my dates correct, but a couple of years later, you actually got hooked up with Bad Religion. Did you know those guys, like, formerly, or, or was that, how did that all go? Uh, I met them probably in 1980, and, you know, everybody in L.A. before and after shows used to hang out at this hot dog stand called Okie Dogs. Oh, I've been there before. And, <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, you know, uh, circle drugs were getting kind of, you know, getting make, getting popular in the in the local scene there, and uh, uh, they came up. One of the guys came up to me. I can't remember who. And it's like, hey, we got this demo tape. Can you check it out? And I go, yeah, okay. Well, if it's good, uh, we're going to be on Rodney on the Rock radio show, which you know, people that don't know, was on Sunday nights, and it was pretty much the only time on the radio, like a commercial radio where you could hear punk music anyway so i got their demo and it was kind of cool it was like basically the songs from the first ep you know and uh we played it on the air and i just kind of became friends with them how did you actually in, end up in the band though like did they have somebody that quit how did that go yeah actually uh the band broke up for a little bit after the into the unknown album and then Greg moved to Wisconsin to go to school. And then he came back to finish school back in LA at UCLA. And I said, you know, you know, you know, punk is thriving still. You should really, you know, get bad religion back together. I'll play guitar, you know, oh, that's so, cool. uh, kind of re reformed after that. So as far as bad religion goes, the one thing that I've always wanted to ask somebody in bad religion and, uh, when the whole 90s thing was going on and like Offspring was taken off and Epitaph was blowing up, I know Bad Religion was kind of caught up in that as well. How did it change? I mean, was there something in the air? Could you tell that something was just completely changing as far as punk music was going? Oh, uh, definitely. With Green Day and Offspring, it was like, 
yeah, it was just, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, Green Day first, and then Offspring, and then you knew it was just all blowing up and becoming more uh, accessible. And you know, I used to you you heard punk. It was you know there was such so much bad press, and the and pretty much the L.A. punk scene died around '84. So between 84 and the early 90s, it was, punk was really on a decline. And, uh, and when those bands broke, it was a big resurgence. I was, I wanted to tell you the story. It's kind of funny. Uh, in my local hometown pizza hut restaurant, they had a jukebox back in the day and I was into punk rock and the only punk rock song on the jukebox was infected by bad religion. (laughs) So every oh, nice. time every time we would go to that Pizza Hut, me and my friends or me and my family or whatever, I would basically put $10 worth of quarters in and I would play that song like 25, 25 30 times. Excellent. <laughs> I just always thought that That's was funny. Story. Whenever I think about religion, I think of eating Pizza Hut. I don't know why. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> But so you're in you're in bad religion, you guys definitely I mean, I know you signed uh, you know, the major label deal and, and had a couple records come out. Um, like twenty. What was the was it the Gray Race and what was the other one? Twenty first century digital boy. Or what that wasn't. The I don't know. We had uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. Did, yeah. I think we did. I think we did four records for Atlantic. Yeah. How how was the difference in working with Atlantic as opposed to just working on Brett's label? The the only thing that I think that we kind of compromised was they gave we wouldn't sign the deal unless they gave us complete control, artistic control over everything. <clears throat> the only thing is that they wanted us to re-record 21st Century Digital Boy for Strange Than Fiction, and we didn't want to, but we gave in. But that was about the only only thing. There was, you know, uh, it was really good at first, and then the, rec- the major labels are so uh, unstable with who runs it and day-to-day crap that, you know, we signed the deal with one president of the company was really into the band. And then he left to go somewhere else. And the new person, new people came in and they didn't know what the hell to do with us. So kind of like after the, after the gray race, it was a a huge change of, you know, uh, regime at Atlantic. And it just kind of went south. That has to be kind of a good feeling, though, to know that even if it goes south, you guys could just go back to Epitaph, which is like the largest independent label in the world, right? Yeah, well, there were some shaky years where there was some tension between the band and Brett. And, you know, Brett had some some problems, you know, personal problems, and uh, and it was weird. But uh, you know, eventually we all reconciled, and it was we were fortunate to be able to go back to where we really belonged. Was it ever weird, like going from the two guitar attack to the three guitar attack when Brett would come back? Because I remember seeing, like, I'm not sure what what show it was, but some television show where I saw you guys on tour and it was just you and Brian, but then I saw you guys on TV and it was you, Brian, and Brett. Was that ever kind of strange and like trying to figure out what everybody's going to play when there was three guitars? No, it was actually pretty easy. We didn't really do too much with the three guitars, but. You know, it it just made us able to do some more parts that we couldn't do that might have been overdubs. Yeah, you know, on records, it made it for a more crowded stage. But other than that, it was cool. That's cool, man. 
So I wanted to tell you this other short little story. Uh, I used to be in a band called the Ataris. And on, in 2009, we did the main stage at Warp Tour with Bad Religion. And you probably don't I remember. Rem- I remember. <laughs> I don't know if you I remember, remember actually. Yeah, yeah. The one time that I remember meeting you, I mean, we talked a couple times, but there was a time where mm-hmm. you guys played and we were coming right up after you on the main stage. And for some reason, I had no picks. I had no guitar picks at all. And you were on my side of the stage. And as you were leaving the stage, I said, hey, man, can I borrow a pick? And you handed me a pick and then walked away without saying anything. And on the pick, it said it had a picture of you on the pick. And it said, Greg Hetzman, Greg, I can't even talk. Greg Hetzman gave me this pick. <laughs> I remember those picks. I still have that pick, and it's it's a really, really... Oh, that's great. I just think it's great, and I played that whole set with that pick, and then I just put it away for safekeeping. I'm like, I'm never getting rid of this pick, because Greg Hetson gave it to me, and it says it right on the pick. Very cool. Glad to be of service. Share the wealth. Yeah, man, you saved me, because, <laughs> I mean, who who doesn't have picks on Warp Tour, but I couldn't find a pick, and my guitar tech's like, I don't have any either, and I was like, what am I going to do? And then you just handed me a pick, and you saved the day. Oh, right. I should have handed you a handful. Yeah, right. That <laughs> probably had some to spare. <laughs> so uh, so uh, speaking about Warp Tour, this is something that I've been asking a lot of my guests here lately. You know, Warp Tour ended last year. I know they're doing like a 25th anniversary, like, you know, a few dates here and there. But Warp Tour had a lot to do with the success of my band and a lot of other bands. I know that Bad Religion was fairly, you know, big already, but I know you guys did Warped quite a bit. Do you have any fond memories of Warp? Like, how do you feel that it's ending? Uh, well, kind of, you know, it evolved into something that it, it wasn't at first, which is kind of normal. You know, if you want to stay successful as a business, you got to, what's the code? You got to uh, adapt. But uh, I thought it was great. And uh, I thought it, got, it was great when it got really diverse. I mean, there was some stuff that you would not expect to be on there. Like I remember Andrew WK being on there. And yeah. They had bands like Body Count and... So they they like they did throw in some stuff that like Kid Rock played on at once. I remember that. I remember yeah. him doing some dates when he first came out. But uh <clears throat> it was uh it was a good fun thing. It was a good deal. You got to see a great number of good bands for a reasonable price. So I thought it was, you know, a lot of fun for the most part. It was a pretty grueling tour as a musician. I'm not complaining, but I'm complaining. Do you have any you know, like memories of Warped. This is called that one time on tour, and I like to talk a little bit about tour yeah. stories. I was just wondering if anything ever crazy or just something that sticks out in your mind about the Warped tour. The Warped tour in general craziness. Uh, I guess the craziest thing that I witnessed on the Warped tour was, you know, we were parked. Everybody was parked by this kind of like river stream thing that was going through Salt Lake City and this dead body washed up right by where everybody was hanging out. A dead body? A dead body and and at first we're like, fuck, we hope it's not someone that like wandered off, fucked up, fell in, drowned and died, but we found we found that it wasn't it was uh, you know, it was a drug related like O D that person OD'd and just fell into the was shooting drugs or something by the by the river there and fell in and drowned. But that that was pretty pretty freaky seeing yeah. them pulling out a you know, you know, you're twenty, thirty feet from where you're you're parked and then there's a dead body being fished out of a of a little <laughs> river. 
That's that's pretty crazy, man. I mean, I'm glad it had nothing to yeah. do with the Warp Tour because I could have maybe stained the Warp Tour's reputation. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Black President, the band that you had with Charlie Paulson, he's a past guest of this show. Um, are you guys doing anything or thinking about maybe doing another record, or was that just kind of like you know a one and done kind of deal? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think we're doing thing together. I actually, saw Charlie last night. He came to our punk rock karaoke show, Speak of the Devil. <laughs> That's another thing I want to talk to you about. We'll get to that in a second. Black President, I always thought it was great. I remember one time I told Charlie the same the same story. We were in, I think, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. I can't from, remember what it was, but I walked out of the venue and I saw you and Charlie, and I actually said hi to you guys, talked to you for a second, but I was on an Atari's tour and you guys were doing stuff with Black President, and I just always wondered what happened to that band because I thought that you guys were great. Uh, you know, I don't know. They kicked me out of the band. That was the first band I got kicked out of. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, no, no, it's okay. It's all good. Whatever. It was, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah, then they put out the record and they did some touring and it just kind of fizzled somehow. I think there were some personality conflicts that happens sometimes in bands. I'm sure you know nothing of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know nothing of that. So, so speaking speaking of the first band you were kicked out of, would you like to speak at all about the bad religion thing? I don't want to bring up anything bad. This isn't like a journalistic kind of thing, but I've always I've often wondered kind of what happened with that because you'd been a mainstay in that band for so long. Is there anything that you can tell me and my listeners? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you the short story. Okay. <clears throat> uh you know, I had a problem with some pills and alcohol and some prescription pill addiction and drinking too much beer. And the band came to me after a tour and said, hey, you need to get your act together. Uh, take some time out, get sober, blah, blah, blah. And then you can come back. And then uh, to make the long story short, uh, two of the band members apparently said they won't ever play with me again. They kicked me out of the band. That's a short story. <laughs> I mean, that's enough. I just, I always wondered what happened yeah. because I just thought you were a great personality in that band. I love the stage presence. Oh, thanks. I just, I don't know. There wasn't a lot on the internet. There wasn't a lot in my research. And I, I didn't know if I was going to ask you cause I didn't want to, you know, sometimes people don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, but I appreciate yeah. you giving me the short story. No problem. I just, you know, I just, didn't want to make a big guy the whole thing. Oh, know? I understand. Take 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 the high road and uh, move on. And you know, as they say, some things are blessings in disguise. Yeah, totally. And I would just say this is a blessing. I've been sober ever since. Go coming on six years, so I got that going for me. Woo! <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> well, you mentioned before punk rock karaoke. That's something that I'm very yes. very interested in talking about. I know that you play in punk rock karaoke with my buddy Randy from Pennywise. Oh, he's great. Yep. Yeah. He just joined up yeah, this year. Yeah. So how how is that going? I mean, could you give me kind of a rundown on how it works? I mean, do you guys just know like a crap ton of songs and people just pick? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we have about 70 songs. We know somewhere around there. When we have a sign-up sheet, you write your name next to the song. We print up the lyric sheets to help you out. And uh, we don't have a, we don't have a teleprompter. We have no monitors. We're, we're a mom and pop uh, organization here, but uh, yeah, we call your name up and then you come sing with the band. Pretty much how it works. 
That's awesome, man. And you guys are doing uh, punk rock bowling this year as well? Yeah, yeah. We've been doing that every year for a long time now. And I, I also thought I saw on uh, your Facebook or on Randy's Facebook that are you guys going, you're going to Central America, going down to, to Costa Rica or somewhere? Yeah, uh, in April we're doing Costa Rica and then we're doing the, you know, Floggy Molly cruise in November and that's a fun one. I would like to know what is in the future for you. Do you have any musical stuff you're working on currently aside from punk rock karaoke? Like, do you plan to, to release anything in the future? Yeah, I actually have a record down that I did with my friend Loomis, who was the drummer for Wax. And he, he sings on it, plays drums on a couple songs. We've been sitting on it for a while. We just got to figure out how to get it out. But yeah, I'm working on some stuff. As they say, I'm LA busy. I got some projects I'm working on, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally, man. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get, get around doing something again. <laughs> I'm working on it slowly. That's cool, man. So the, the last thing that I want to really ask you is, you know, this is that one time on tour. I know you told me a little bit about the dead body washing up on Warp Tour, but what is the most insane thing that's happened to you on tour? This could be back in the day with Circle Jerks or Red Cross. They could be with Bad Religion. Is there just anything that sticks out in your mind that would be, you know, this is if I had died today, this is the tour story I'd want to tell? Uh, I would have to say it was... Uh, early 90s in San Sebastian, Spain with Bad Religion. We're playing this this uh, this club and literally maybe five seconds into the first song, which I believe was a recipe for hate, half of the floor collapsed and about 1,200 people fell into the basement. Wow. Luckily, nobody got killed, but they overpacked the club by, you know, they put, they, they put like 2,000 people in. It's supposed to hold 1,200 or something. Yeah. And the floor gave, floor gave way, and half the crowd fell in. And I just, you know, first quarter of the song, bam, go. And then all of a sudden, there's this big cloud of smoke, and I'm looking down, and I see people looking up at me, like from down below from the, the basement. It was really, really bizarre, very creepy. Did you got you guys have done touring could it pretty much all over the world? Is there anywhere that's like your favorite place that you've gone outside of the United States? Yeah, I really like playing Brazil a lot. It's pretty crazy. You just never know what you're going to get, but the crowds are always great. The fans are really enthusiastic. And Japan's always good because they really have their their shit together. It's really organized and it's just it's cool to walk around and you look around and you know you're you're an outcast. You, I don't fit in here. It's yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> so I remember seeing on Facebook uh, a little while back when I was actually trying to get a hold of you to set this up, you were spending some time in Europe. Was that just a, a personal kind of trip or were you over there for any kind of business or anything? Uh, I was, uh, I've been touring with Marky Ramon okay. for the last year. Yeah. That's cool. Cause I saw, I think you were in Milan, you were in a bunch of different places. Did you, was that a good trip? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's pretty fun playing Ramon songs, you know. I mean, that, Ramon. that's got to be pretty crazy going from, you know, they're the first band that got you into punk that now you're actually playing with one of the Ramones. Yeah, and I, I told Marky the story and like uh, that uh, in high school, me and my friend ditched to be extras in rock and roll high school. So uh, it, awesome. to go from that and then to playing playing with one of the guys in the band, it's probably pretty cool, it's, you know. <laughs> punk rock dream come true <laughs> <laughs> definitely man 
And I mean, were you were you into the Dickies back in the day as well? Because I know that some of the Dickies guys play in punk rock karaoke. Yeah, I was just about to say, and the first punk band I ever saw was the Dickies. The first show I ever went to was the Dickies, and then I get to play with Dan. <laughs> so you're, you're playing cool. with the Dickies guys, and you're playing with the Ramones. That's insane, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, I, I get to fanboy out. You know, <laughs> you, you know, no matter how much success or you know you get, you could always be a fanboy and get all excited and giddy. Well, it's my, my wife gives me a lot of shit for kind of fanboying out on these interviews that I do for my podcast, but it's nice to know that you're fanboying out as well, so I don't feel so bad. Yes, of course. Well, Greg, I think I've taken up a much too much of your time today, obviously. And I'm I'm a little under the weather. I'm gonna cut this a little bit short, but I really appreciate you coming. Oh good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I would like to know where people can check you out online, like what your socials are, like anything you'd like to tell the people so they can check you out. Well, I got my Instagram, Greg Hetson, and uh, does anybody go on Twitter anymore? I don't really post on Twitter. Uh, And then I have uh, a website that I haven't updated in a while, greghetson.com. I got to get on that. Instagram is probably the best way. I have a Facebook page. It's private now, but I'm thinking of making it public and opening it up to the masses. And uh, yeah. Cool. So that's it. And there's there's Punk Rock Karaoke on Instagram and on Facebook, too. Okay, cool. And uh, I do have a lot of listeners down in in Costa Rica, so everybody in Costa Rica, go make sure that you see Punk Rock Karaoke. Where else did you say you were going to be? The Flogging Molly Cruise in November. Okay, Flogging Molly Cruise, cool. And, of course, Punk Rock Bowling in Vegas and, you know, just... Check your local uh, television listings. Okay. <laughs> Check our uh, Instagram and Facebook pages for Punk Rock Karaoke for what we're doing. Cool. Well, Greg, I just want to say thank you so much, man. It's been an honor to speak with you and uh, have a great night. And I will talk to you soon, my friend. Uh, thank you. You too. Hope you feel better. And if you need more, just give me a holler back. Cool. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Greg Hedson. I had a wonderful time speaking with Greg, and hopefully we'll get him back for a part two in the future when I am not horribly ill. But I want to thank him so much for kind of putting up with my scatterbrain and uh, everything that was going on that day because I was really under the weather. So shout outs to Greg. I hope you're doing well, man. And uh, I hope that the Kings are doing well. Like I said, I don't really follow hockey, but I, I hope that your team is doing well. But uh, thank you guys for coming and checking out this episode. It means a lot to me. The show keeps growing and growing every week, and uh, it's all because of you guys. Like This is fun to do, but I don't ever know if anybody's listening. And then when I check my my stats, it's like, whoa, it's, it's actually people actually care. So thank you guys very much. I am humbled, and uh, I'm just glad that you guys are with me, like I say every time on this journey, because that's what it is. It's, you know, you have kids and like you're an adult and <laughs> it's it's just you try to find something that kind of connects you back to a scene that you used to be a part of and uh you know I used to be on the on the road all the time and and I was in music so much and and when you get away from that you miss it and this podcast has really helped me connect with new people and reconnect with old friends and I just want to thank you guys very much. So if you guys find what I'm doing cool and you found you find like there's some value in it, please consider becoming a patron. Go over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast, or you can also find the link for that or a one-time donation or whatever you want to do over at TOTOT podcast.com. 
Um, I have this really cool idea coming up and it might pan out. It might not. And I also have a, a guest for this show, so it might get pushed. I'm not sure, but we are very, very close to our 52nd episode, which is a year. We actually, I think like April 4th is our actual year anniversary, but because of, you know, missing a week or two here, a week or two there, just because life comes up, uh, the episode 52 is probably going to take place sometime in May. But I am wanting to do an Ask Chris kind of mailbag episode. I have a lot of questions I've been saving over the last couple months that I'm going to answer. I'm going to try to have my wife interview me and ask me the questions. And uh, everybody that gives you know a question will get credit as well. So you guys can hit us up on all the social medias. You can email me, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com. You can call the hotline, uh, 765-372-8818. Whatever you want to do, it's easy to get a hold of me. Ask a question and you will be featured more likely than not on the year end episode, episode 52 coming up in a month or so. So thank you guys so much for all the support. Next week on the show, I've got my buddy Rob Perlman. He used to work for the Ataris. He uh, has worked with Yellow Card. He's worked with all kinds of different bands. And Rob is a really cool guy. We did a lot of traveling together over in Europe. We talk about that and we just, you know, we catch up and we talk about a lot of really cool stuff. He was a professional poker player for a while. And uh, Rob is just a very interesting guy. And you guys are going to have to wait till next week for that. And I'm just going to keep going. I got some great guests. I got a lot of interviews already banked. So I'm, I'm taking a little breather from the interviews right now. But I also have been booking some really good ones as well. So, you know, next week you get to hear me and Rob talk. And before you guys get to hear that, before I get out of here, I do have to play a couple songs that Greg had a lot to do with. So I'm going to play one of my favorite Bad Religion songs. It's a song called Better Off Dead. And uh, it's from the Stranger Than Fiction album, which is the album I talked. I was telling him about the whole thing when I was young at Pizza Hut. They had the only like punk song on the jukebox was a bad religion song, but uh, yeah, better off dead is one of my favorite bad religion songs. So I'm going to play that. And right after that, we're going to go into circle jerks with wild in the streets. So once again, thank you guys very much. And I'm going to get out of here. So have a good one. Hit me up on the socials and I will see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. I'm sorry.
Everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.